welcome you to Doxodeo Hatfield, a multi-ethnic family on mission, passionate about Jesus, passionate about community, and passionate about serving the city of Chwaneka. Today, Hatfield, I'm so excited to be with you today. You're in a series called More Life, and you guys are speaking from the book of John, and my goodness, it's so rich in depth, right? Uh, I get to speak to you about how do we deal with life's deepest disappointments, and I can already hear the crowd cheering, <laughs> right? So, um, but this is true. We have disappointments in life. They're real. Even as Christians, as believers, you know, we don't get, we participate, right, in that portion of life. And so I want you to take a minute today, just as we're talking about disappointment and what comes to mind when, when I use that word. You know, maybe it's something as simple as a rugby game. You know, so maybe you're, voting for a team or you're supporting a team and you realize this has changed completely. You know, you didn't get the outcome you were anticipating. You know, or maybe it's something like uh, my sister on her wedding day had rain pour and that was a huge disappointment. You know, maybe it's something like we've been watching the Survivor Series and we've been rooting for this one competitor He's won all the immunity challenges and, you know, we were just thinking this is absolutely the winner. And so as we get to the final session and when they're talking about the sole survivor, you know, it's not the person we anticipated. And so someone that we thought was like a non-competitor actually wins the game and we go like, what? You know, so it's just that sense of it doesn't feel completely satisfying, right? So maybe you can relate to that. Maybe to Today, as I'm sharing this, you're thinking, Bianca, I have bigger problems or bigger disappointments, you know, than that. So maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking like, listen, I've lost a baby or I've been retrenched or I've had a lifelong dream and it's completely smashed. Maybe that's where you are today. And so the first thing that I just want to say is in this place of disappointment, Jesus is present. But let's take a minute and just consider what does the word disappointment mean? You know, when we go to the dictionary, it says things like it's a sadness or it's a displeasure and it's caused by one's hopes and expectations going unfulfilled. You know, that's one part of it, of that expectation. Or it's a negative emotion, right? Because sadness and displeasure are definitely negative emotions. But it says it's that negative emotion that you feel when an outcome doesn't meet your expectations. Proverbs 13, 12 puts it in this way. It says, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick. You know, think about that. It, to have a disappointment is one thing, 
But then we have experiences sometimes where it seems to be unrelenting, right? We just cannot catch a break. And so that comes, that takes us to a place where we're saying, I actually have the expectation that there will be a heartbreak, you know? So you're not considering anything else. Hope seems to be lost. And so maybe that's you today. Maybe you're going like, Bianca, I can totally relate with that. And so for the next few minutes, we want to delve into that. We want to, I want to take you to a place where Jesus experienced that kind of disappointment where Jesus faced those things, where Jesus saw that gap, where Jesus could have been heart sick. And um, we're going to delve into John 18 and 19 to, to catch some of that story, just of what he experienced. And so when we read about the story of Jesus getting into Gethsemane, right? So he's been speaking to his disciples Jesus knows that his death is near, and so he's asked them to pray with him. And so we see how the disciples, one after the other, fall asleep. They are just not present. They don't see the excruciating agony that Jesus is experiencing, right? Sweating blood. And so we don't read that from the, the account in John, but we, we see that in some of the other accounts of the gospel. So when we come to John, we pick up in Gethsemane, but now scripture says that Jesus is in a familiar place. I think that's so profound. You know, isn't disappointment often found in a familiar place, something that is dear to us? And so this time around, we see the Roman soldiers coming in. We see the chief priests, right, or the high priests coming in, and they're ready to arrest Jesus, you know? And so we see a bit of that confusion happening in their hearts, also in the heart of Jesus. He's saying, listen, I've been preaching this, you know, it's been above board all over. Why are you coming to me now? So isn't that true about disappointment? It catches us so unaware, right? We, we don't see it coming. And so Jesus enters into in this situation and suddenly we see a Judas who has betrayed Jesus, like your CFO, right, has suddenly betrayed you. Or we see like Peter just denying that he ever knew Jesus. This is now the guy that says you are the Christ, right, the son of the living God. This guy is suddenly denying Jesus, and so in that place, Jesus is getting interrogated. He's getting slapped around. He's getting mocked. You know, a crown of thorns is placed on his head. He's stripped from his clothes. And so the crowd is yelling, crucify him. Jesus is innocent, and yet he's being handed over to be crucified. Now, I don't know about you, but the first time I read this account of scripture, I was so confused. I was like, this doesn't make sense, right? We used to stories having happy endings. And so this story doesn't have a happy ending yet, right? Isn't this so true of disappointments? When we're in it, when we're going through it, we can't imagine life ever turning out well again. And so Jesus can so fully just relate with what we're going through as humans in 
our daily experiences, daily places where we're just feeling disappointment. And so what I want to do for a few minutes is just take you through what happens just neurologically, right, in our own bodies when we face trauma like that, when we go through things like that. David Rock is a neuroscientist and he speaks about that. He talks about, you know, when we go through a stressful situation and, and he lists five elements that when this happens, stress hormone is released into our bloodstream and so as that happens you know adrenaline is released and then that activates either our fight flight or freeze mode and so I want you to listen to this as I just unpack this in the next few minutes and consider moments when you have gone through disappointments moments where you've gone through betrayals or losing people or something that's close to your heart and so he talks about these elements. He talks about scarf. This is the model that he uses. And he talks about status. The S is for status. The C is for certainty. The A is for autonomy. The R is for relatedness. And the F is for fairness. And so what he says is when we are, when, when our status is violated, what happens is when our identity, our sense of worth is not taken into consideration, that's going to release a stress response. And so we see this in the story, in the account in John, we see this where the Roman soldiers come and they arrest Jesus in a public place. I mean, Imagine for a minute, someone pops in here and they're slamming bracelets on you. You know, that's not going to be a joyful moment, right? So we can absolutely see how Jesus' sense of identity and worth is compromised or possibly compromised in that place. When we talk about certainty, it's that, you know, as humans, we want to know what is happening next. What is my space? What is my boundaries, right, of your personhood? And so we see just in that moment, you know, where Jesus is going through these, these, these moments, we see where there's nothing certain about it. Jesus feels confused or, or it appears to be that way. And he says, you know, I've been speaking, I've been sharing this and, and nowhere, you know, it's been a problem. Why? What's the problem now? So that certainty, we can almost see a bit of that confusion that we as humans experience, right? Autonomy, just that ability to make our own decisions, Jesus is in that space and he has no decisions to make except his attitude, except how will he walk through this with his father. We see how he's stripped from his clothes and how he is humiliated. And so the next element that gets violated is relatedness, right? So we are social beings as humans. We, we relate with people. They make us feel safe. We, we need them to interact. And like in this place, everyone, the inner circle, that which is those who are closest to, to Jesus have now betrayed him or denied him. And so the final portion just talks about fairness, right? So if you consider this moment, an innocent man allowed to be crucified, we can see in this situation, there's no fairness. 
And you know, easily we find ourselves in moments like these where we will doubt, right, whether God loves us. We will doubt whether He's with us. And in moments like that, certain foundations are being exposed. Certain foundations are being violated. Consider for yourself, for, for a minute, you know, just when things like that happen, when you face disappointment, how is your identity challenged? You know, in other words, are you secure about who you are? Or do circumstances around you now suddenly define you? You know, think about it for a minute, your security. Let's say you've been in a marriage relationship and suddenly that is ended. You're, you're through a divorce. How does that impact you? You know, are you finding that wholeness in Jesus? Or do you suddenly think of yourself, I'm a divorce, divorcee? What, what comes to mind in those places? Another foundation that gets exposed in moments like these is just your trust levels. In, in who will you trust? Will you trust your own ability? Will you trust those around you? And when all of those have forsaken you, will you trust the Lord? Jesus takes this to another dimension when we just consider the foundation of obedience, right? Because suddenly he's in Gethsemane and he says, God, I don't want to go through this as he considers his own death. He's, he, he just says this. He's so real about this. God, I don't want to go through this. And then we see Jesus just reestablishing that place of identity and saying, Father, but not my will, but your will be done. We see that surrender in the heart of Jesus. And so this is my question to you today. As as you face disappointment, as we go through moments of disappointment and things are exposed and you're aware, right, of your own limitations as a human being, on who will you trust? On, on who will you rely? Who gets to define you in moments like that? Now, Larry Crabb writes this book, it's called Shattered Dreams, and he defines the dreams that we have. He says we have a great dream, right? And that is the ability or that is the desire that we have to have a relationship with Christ and to grow in intimacy and to know him through every situation in life. That's, that's a great dream. But then he also goes and he identifies lesser dreams. In other words, those normal things we actually want in life, right? And they're good things. They are legitimate things. Like I want a partner, you know, that serves the Lord, you know, and I want, you know, maybe a house, you know, it will be good to be in a good house, you know, and I'm trusting the Lord, you know, for that, for kids, you know, for that 2.5 kids that we trust the Lord for. And then he goes on to say this. He says, you know, often what happens is we don't realize we have a great dream unless a lesser dream is shattered. As I considered this book, as I read this, I was so, so challenged, right? Because we want comfort in life. We want to go through life smooth sailing. And yet in moments like these, we have a decision to make is who will define us. 
I like this quote. It says, disappointment wars against the nature and the promises of God. In other words, its very purpose often is to get us off course, right? It's, it, it takes us to a place where we're thinking, but who is God? Does he care? Can I trust him? We ask those same questions from the people around us. We doubt whether God's purposes will prevail. And so let me take a moment and just share a recent story. You know, we've gone the past two years, we've had some traumatic things happen in terms of losing parents. And some of our parents had gone through tremendous troubles, troubling like operations and so on. We've lost, like, we don't have kids, right? So we have puppies and we lost Coco and Fudge in Feb and it was really traumatic. And we'd, we'd gone through these things and, you know, they were hard on their own. But then there was a moment last year where there was a dream that I would consider to be a life dream. And this opportunity came and I felt like, God, this is my opportunity. You've prepared me for this. I'm so excited about this. And... Um, and in a moment, that dream was taken away and was like handed over to somebody else. And as I saw this happen, it, it was so hard for me, honestly. Uh, it almost, almost took me out last year. I almost felt like, Jesus, I'm just quitting, you know, just life. I'm just quitting. I didn't know how to handle that. And so as that happened, you know, I realized, I came to the understanding, oh my goodness, foundations are being exposed. You know, where am I finding my identity? Where am I finding my security? Is there a portion of entitlement just in that space? And so it took time with the Lord, you know, just wrestling through that and saying, God, this is what I think and this is what I feel. And there was a lot of forgiveness just in that space that was so necessary. And so there came a day, you know, just as we were wrestling with the Lord, that, I, that a truth came to me. And I just wrote it down. I said, when God hides me, you know, that is for my protection. Um, it means I'm either not ready for that opportunity, or it means God is working in a different space, or it just means that opportunity isn't really mine because God knows better. God gets to decide what he does with my life. And I wrote, if God hides me, it's for my protection. If God displays me, it's for his glory. And so that was such a profound truth. As I wrote it, as Holy Spirit gave it to me, I just, there was so much freedom that just came from that and, and with that. And so this is the truth. This is the truth is that every disappointment that we go through in life has an appointment with Christ hidden in that disappointment. And so often we miss that, right? Because we just want things to go right and work out. And, and we don't consider, you know, that Christ is all the, way, all the way just forming himself on the inside of us. And as I considered the story of Jesus and the disappointment that he faced, I came to a portion in John 19 where Jesus found, he found the truth that that his father wanted to give him. And so just read with me John 19, verse 10 and 11. It says, Pilate said, you won't talk, right? Because Jesus isn't speaking right now. 
Don't you know that I have the authority to pardon you and the authority to crucify you? Okay, right. So Pilate is irritated. He wants Jesus to talk. And then in that space, Jesus responds like this. He says, you haven't a shred of authority over me except what has been given you from heaven. That's why the one who betrayed me to you has committed a far greater fault. You know, the first time when I read this, I was thinking, oh goodness, you know, so Jesus is having a tantrum or Jesus just wants to, wants to let him know the truth. But then as I considered it, I was like, no, Jesus was sitting in Gethsemane. He was wrestling with the Lord, right? He was hearing the Lord. He was pouring his heart out. This truth, this, this assurance that as he's going through this, the only authority that those around him have is what has been given from heaven. That revealed something about the heart of his father. You know, Jesus is stepping into the next 24 hours. He's getting crucified. He's laying down his life. But the one thought that would play in his mind is that my father loves me and that these people only have the authority of what has been given to them because God is setting him up for victory. Isn't this the truth that it doesn't matter what kind of disappointment we're facing? God wants to shape us. He wants to mold us. He wants us to find him in that. He wants to have that conversation. He's growing you into the complete image of who he is. And so isn't there so much encouragement just in that, in realizing that in every disappointment you're facing, God has an appointment with you. Think about Jacob for a minute, you know, how he just finds God. If you go back to Genesis and you read that account, how he just finds God in a moment. And because he's able to hear the truth of what the Father speaks over him, his identity is completely transformed. And so my friend, Jesus has an appointment in mind with you. He's inviting you into that. And so maybe today I want to leave you with one practical tool, you know, just as you're thinking, as you're processing, as you may be working through the overwhelm of that disappointment, let me take you to one tool that has helped me in the past. You know, the first thing I want to do is just, I want to sometimes just ask the question, sit with Holy Spirit in a place. And, you know, if you can't have a conversation with someone, maybe it's writing in that journal. But let's ask the question, what happened? Because you see, as you tell that story, as you write that down, you're getting out the facts. You're saying, this is what happened. And it brings clarity to your mind. It helps to sort out just what is going on in your internal world. But the second question that you want to ask is, how do I feel about this? You know, as you're processing, maybe you're angry, maybe you are, maybe you feel forgotten, maybe you feel abandoned. And as you're writing that down, you're giving release, right, to those emotions that you're feeling. But it's already giving you insight, you know, to where the enemy might be at work.
You see, the third question that you want to ask is not, um, it's what conclusions am I coming to? So it's not about the event, what has happened, because life will happen. It's not about the emotions that you're feeling, because right, they're just indications alerting you to what is going on in the inside. But the conclusions you come to, the decisions that you make is going to impact your relationship with the Lord, your relationship with people around you. It's going to impact your destiny. And so those conclusions might be things like you can't trust God or God isn't who he says he is. Or it might be I can't trust people. Or maybe it's something like my future will never change. This will never change. This will always be like this. And you see, if you go and you partner with those deceitful conclusions, they're going to lead you on a path that is not going to take you to what Jesus has in mind for you. And so the fourth question you need to ask, just as you're processing, is just, God, Jesus, what is your truth? in this. Oh God, what do you want me to see? And as you sit and listen with your heart, with your spirit in that space, his truth, his answer, his opinion over you will come. And you see, those are the appointments that Jesus is inviting you into because he's the spirit of truth. He promises to lead us and he is present in our disappointments. He wants to meet you. Will you meet him?